Hey there, pharmacists and pharmacy professionals. We're excited to be part of the APHA 2023 Annual Meeting and Exposition in Phoenix on March 24th through 27th. We are proud to be back with APHA in their booth. So come visit us at the APHA booth. Let's talk the business of pharmacy. Let's talk about our profession, the changing role of pharmacists, the importance of pharmacists now more than ever before, and the opportunities before you. If you are a frustrated pharmacist, if you are a burnt out pharmacist, if you are someone looking for some coaching or guidance, there are going to be a swarm of pharmacists coming to the exposition, to the uh, annual meeting, um, spending time with each other, supporting each other. The Pharmacy Podcast Network will be there. Stop by our booth and see us. Brady, Yuri, um, and our audio technician and myself will be at the booth. Once again, APHA 2023, hashtag APHA 2023. We can't wait to see everybody and um, safe travels. And while you travel, make sure you listen to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey there. Hey there. This is Todd Yuri, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I am here uh, and ready and excited to, um, to be back. It's Pharmacy Friday. It is this week in pharmacy. This has been fun. I, I just tell you a quick story. Um, been podcasting now for 14 years. As I tell you, this is my first podcast. This is like really my ability to use our collective network to bring in some really good topics that are that are part of the transformation of our profession and how pharmacists are involved in facets of healthcare that the public number one doesn't realize and number two we really don't advocate to our up and coming and, and future pharmacists in pharmacy school letting them know that there are huge opportunities out there for you and if you're in a, another role right now and you're thinking that you're interested in clinical trials, this is This Week in Pharmacy. And we are going to be talking with two uh, very uh, knowledgeable, um, impactful, and very influential people in our healthcare uh, system right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some ideas about what today is, just to set the stage, just to let our listeners know, especially you're listening on podcast, if you're not listening on the live show, which is every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, um, they'll be able to um, they'll be able to see whatever um, you want um, in 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 feedback because we're going to take your feedback and we are going to um, create shows around that. So this week is really going to be focusing on clinical trials and the the role that the pharmacist plays in the community um, where they are. Uh, can be more involved in clinical trials and more specifically community-based clinical trials, decentralized trials, uh, enabling the community pharmacy that is part of that community to build trust. The trust is already there. We know it. We know that the results through surveys throughout the year show 
how highly pharmacists are trusted. Um, there's a quote by uh, Gerald Finken. He's founder and CEO of RxE2, which is a, a group of pharmacists that are helping to drive um, clinical trials um, set up for community pharmacies. And he said that in the next decade, um, he predicts that pharmaceutical companies will no longer be running clinical trials that exclude pharmacy professionals because it will simply be too costly and overly risky. And when, when shipping drugs directly to patients, as has become customary with decentralized clinical trials, many state pharmacy laws specifically stipulate that they follow the practice of pharmacy, which includes patient counseling and patient-specific labeling. Today, we talk about the evolution of clinical trials and the pharmacist role, um, how important that it is that uh, we educate pharmacists as well as um, our public about clinical trials. I want to talk to you about kind of staging this. So in the news, just this week, um, I want you to listen into this real quick. Decentralized clinical trials conducted in community oncology practices may unlock opportunities to address disparities bringing clinical cancer research to the community setting could offer better accessibility and lower costs without sacrificing quality of care. The development of targeted therapies in oncology has shifted the notion that the best oncology care can only be provided in large academic medical centers. Exceptional hyperlocal care and the availability of novel, targeted therapies have made community oncology practices innovation centers for cancer treatment. As such, there's growing demand for these sites to offer more clinical trial opportunities for patients. All right, so we know that decentralized uh, trials is going to expand. Uh, the commercial markets are showing that there's much interest in the evolution of how clinical trials were managed before. Um, Kroger Health uh, launches their own clinical trial site network, and we're going to be talking a little bit about this concept, but let's listen in to the, um, to the preview. Kroger Health launches clinical trial site network. The grocery chain's healthcare division also announced its first trial, a collaboration with Persephone Biosciences. Kroger Health, the healthcare division of the large grocery chain, announced Tuesday it had launched a clinical trial site network. The company said it will work with trial sponsors, contract research organizations and health systems to conduct clinical trials out of select Kroger pharmacies and clinics. It will also use virtual care and digital health tools to ensure patients stay enrolled in clinical trials. You know, if you put technology into this process and you've involved educating more and more communities, especially some of those communities that are considered um, at a disparity, uh, a pharmacy desert, and we start investing in our communities and start educating our communities, there's going to be more participation and more trust in these clinical trials. So I, uh, I give a, a thumbs up and a, and a high five to Kroger for stepping out and, and thinking about that. And right before our guest, I want to talk about decentralized clinical trials conducted in community oncology practice may unlock opportunities to, to address disparities. Uh, let's listen in. Decentralized clinical trials conducted in community oncology practices may unlock opportunities to address disparities bringing clinical cancer research to the community setting could offer better accessibility and lower costs without sacrificing quality of care. 
the development of targeted therapies in oncology has shifted the notion that the best oncology care can only be provided in large academic medical centers. Exceptional hyperlocal care and the availability of novel, targeted therapies have made community oncology practices innovation centers for cancer treatment. As such, there's growing demand for these sites to offer more clinical trial opportunities for patients. So this will be part of our conversation as well, and that is being able to have specific rare diseases and education around the specific condition, this transparency that you're sharing with the public of what's happening and the opportunity for them to possibly take uh, part in it and understand it better. I just think bringing the patient closer to this and bringing the clinical trials uh, where the patient is, which is communities, this is just a, a good move um, for the whole ecosystem of drug development. Before we bring on our guest, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor today. Um, thank you so much, Dexcom, for everything that you do. Dexcom publishes a podcast through the Pharmacy Podcast Network, really giving pharmacists insights into the latest um, of diabetes technology and management and the evolutions. I think we're just on the cusp of seeing where uh, CGM is going to be going, where the insulin pump um, is going to be giving live data to our pharmacists and diabetes educators and diabetes uh, researchers and physicians. I'm excited about today. This subject has been talked about in, in, in the, the, the subject of decentralized trials in community pharmacy and through community pharmacy, as well as pharmacists being involved. This is a big subject. Our um, uh, partnership with Finn Partners has been extremely important to us in bringing in other stakeholders and other voices into the concept of clinical trials and how it will impact not only drug development, but also forwarding the invitation to communities to become more involved through their community pharmacy. So I do want to welcome our uh, two special guests today. I want to start out um, in saying hello and welcome to Ramita Tandon. She is the Chief Clinical Trial Officer with Walgreens. Welcome, uh, Ramita. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing great, and I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I want to let you know that I have been so drawn to um, this concept of, of community pharmacy being involved in clinical trials. And when I saw you speak at uh, HLTA, I was so excited to see that there was a element of purpose and belief and, um, and drive and mission in your eyes when you were talking. So um, they've picked the right person to kind of help lead this because of your knowledge and in previous life. So for the for the listeners right now, Remedia, that don't know you, could you tell us about how you got into healthcare and, and then end up working with Walgreens? So thank you for that intro, Todd, and um, great to be here and great to connect with you again. And I think for those, you know, who I have worked with in the past or who don't know me, I've spent, you know, a lion's share of my career, about 25 plus years in the life sciences space, working with biopharmaceutical companies um, and looking at ways to find innovative uh, technologies, modalities to really look at ways to deliver clinical trials differently. Um, I have always believed there's an opportunity for us to um, 
accelerate the way we conduct clinical trials, um, particularly in the use of real-world evidence, real-world data, um, using different patient engagement modalities. So I've had the pleasure of um, working for a number of organizations, whether they're CRO organizations, whether they're um, uh, academia institutions, and really focused on working with biopharmaceutical companies and, and understanding different ways to leverage all the innovation that we're seeing today that's emerging and finding ways to ultimately bring um, novel drug therapies into the hands of patients a lot faster and um, a lot more effectively than, than what we've seen to date. You know, in our opening, Ramita, I was talking about how will the FDA guidance impact decentralized clinical trials in 2023. To have the FDA now really paying attention to how this could impact uh, further drug development. And, and there's probably looking at it from multiple points, including expediting um, trials in, in cases where we want to get clear data for upcoming um, vaccines, for example, things that might be changing um, with, with how we all know uh, COVID um, impacted um, the whole world and, and every aspect of healthcare per se. So it's amazing to have 9,000 stores across the United States that could be activated in order to um, provide, especially the social um, vulnerable areas that we though aren't uh, traditionally participating in clinical trials. That is part of your mission too. You've literally woven it into the rollout of how Walgreens will expand clinical trials in our community. Can you kind of speak to that a bit? Yeah, you know, Walgreens as an organization, we're undergoing a significant transformation as we're moving into healthcare. And we certainly have made some significant investments and in, in bets as we create our own healthcare continuum um, <clears throat> and start to deliver healthcare services more locally uh, to the communities that we serve. And, and Todd, you're right. You know, we have 9,000 stores and pharmacies across the nation. 78% um, of the U.S. population is within a five miles of a Walgreens. Uh, we service roughly around, you know, 130 to 150 million lives that visit our stores and pharmacies. And during the pandemic, the retail pharmacies rose to the challenge during, you know, one of the most, um, you know, biggest healthcare crisis the, the nation faced. And when everything was shut down, the retail pharmacies were, including Walgreens, were asked to be, you know, front and center and to be able to help support and bring vaccinations into communities that perhaps have never had access to, you know, uh, normal healthcare. And so it was not a one size fits all strategy as, as we all saw. Um, we had people come in and talk to their pharmacist, the pharmacy care teams, and really tried to navigate a very complex um, healthcare crises and were educated, were empowered and felt you know, comfortable with the information that was given to be able to make a decision and get the shots in the arms. Um, again, there was a lot of grassroots efforts that were undertaken across the communities that we serve and to get people comfortable, particularly there was a tremendous amount of vaccine hesitancy. So if you think about the work that we've done, you know, um, during the COVID pandemic, a lot of that can be applied in the world of clinical trials, particularly as we know, less than 5% of this nation participates in clinical trials. Mm -hmm. And so we know there's a tremendous amount of access issues, equity issues, and diversity issues. And we know a lion's share of this nation and the communities that we serve don't even know what a clinical trial is. That's right. So there's going to be a lot of work as we build that highway 
of bringing trials to patients in the communities and get them to feel comfortable, not only giving them access, but also making sure that we understand the technology or anything that we're looking to bring as part of the clinical trial ecosystem is culturally relevant because we're dealing with communities that have medical and digital literacy uh, you know, inconsistencies. So we need to do the hard work as we build that highway to these communities and bring trials closer to the way where the patients are. And that's what we're committed to do at Walgreens. Ramita, I'm thinking of something else. If I'm a clinical trial participant and I show up at XYZ Health Center and I go in for my initial consultation or beginning the trial or whatever it is, if there's something else wrong with me that's noticed by that healthcare provider, I'm not sure if the traditional clinical trial has the um, the staff for that matter that would focus on total healthcare, but many of your environments also have an attached um, health center, a quick clinic or something. I see an opportunity to catch things even with people that are going to, to trials that's general healthcare and someone like a technician or a pharmacist saying, hey, I think you're running a pain, you know, that, that's a cough you have. I mean, it's almost like using a clinical trial opportunity to assure that our participants are in fact paying attention to their health. Yeah, it's, it's a good point you raise. I mean, as, as we at Walgreens are moving into healthcare and creating this healthcare continuum, we've activated, you know, roughly over 200 locations that we consider as healthcare destinations where we're delivering healthcare services like phlebotomy, screening, diagnostic, and, and we continue to, to build on that roadmap for the types of services that we deliver. And so certainly as, as a patient comes in for a clinical trial visit, um, the activities, you know, is it whether it's screening or diagnostic, um, as it lay, you know, as it laid out for a clinical trial is going to be conducted, but certainly an opportunity for uh, the pharmacist, the clinician, the nurses that are on site at these locations to be able to look at that patient in its uh, totality. And certainly as an organization, we're very focused on making sure we're closing care gaps as part of our last mile effort in making sure that ultimately clinical trials is not viewed as this you know, research entity, but more holistically a care option for patients where you know, current standard of care of therapy may not be a viable option for, for patients. So absolutely, as we, as we bring on the patients, an opportunity for us to look at that patient more holistically beyond just the clinical trial visit. So before I want to get into a, a, a couple other concepts and themes, uh, questions for you, for you Ramita, I do want to welcome to our uh, This Week in Pharmacy today, a colleague of mine directly from uh, Finn Partners, Ritesh Patel. He's senior partner at Finn Partners. Ritesh, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. Well, thank you. And uh, I'm sorry for being a minute late. It was just crazy. I didn't realize we were, we were on already. So, Ramita, nice to see you. How are you? Good to see you, Ritesh. Thanks. Always good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. And the voice is good? And the voice yeah. is much better. Oh, <laughs> yep, we got to kind of jump into this with Ramita, which was actually kind of good that we got to talk first because we've kind of set the stage to unpack the concept of the evolution of clinical trials and the involvement of our uh, community pharmacies. And when this, when I first heard about this nearly two years ago, uh, Ritesh, someone that is, I have my ear to the track of what is the profession of pharmacy every day, all day, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, 
news, um, you know, Medica Life, um, all of the sources, Pharmacy Times, and I'm paying attention to what's happening, what's changing, what can we assure our pharmacists who want to build careers, they want to build long-standing careers that they can tap into what they love most, which is that nerdiness, it's the data analytical, it's the ability to tap into a, a patient's condition and dissect and really get involved in suggestive therapies and in collaborations. So welcome, um, Ritesh, and being coming part of this um, this conversation and the richness that that you bring in understanding clinical trials from multiple points. Give our listeners, just in case they haven't heard you on the Pharmacy Podcast Network yet, a little bit about yourself and your role with Finn. Oh, gosh. Uh, so I got into this mad healthcare industry uh, about uh, – 2009-2010, where actually Ramita and I used to work together at Inventive. And I think our first iteration, Ramita, was the Inventive Clinical Trial Recruitment Solutions Group. Remember that? Right. <laughs> uh, my motto is, if it moves, digitize it. At Finn, I run the, the Global Digital Health Practice, where we work with clients to say there's this thing called digital going on and there's a whole ramification around it uh, from basic things to big changes in the way you do business. How do you do that? What are the things you need to be aware of? And clinical trials is a massive passion of mine because that's how I got into this business in the first place. Uh, I failed miserably at my job at Inventive. I was the head of global, head of digital and innovation was my highfalutin title. And I couldn't even get rid of the fax machine at the time. I didn't digitize anything. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how successful I'll be here at Finn, but here I am. <laughs> You've been you successful me. already. I can attest to that. Thank you. Um, so Ramita and I were talking about setting the stage and the purpose and the accelerant and the excitement um, that has community pharmacy now um, at what could become literally the center of the future of clinical trials. I think we're going to stop saying decentralized eventually because it'll become the norm to really centralize it where where our patients are, which is in their communities. And I want to touch on technology because I have a sweet spot. That's how I entered pharmacy was through um, technology and through pharmacy systems. Decentralized clinical trials require very specific um, CRM management technology, uh, running the actual trial. It can uh, really being able to quickly transfer data from multiple sources, including wearables, um, remote locations, research sites, laboratories, um, and of course, any anyone that, that is part of that whole ecosystem. So Ramita, how are you managing that aspect of it? What, what kind of infrastructure are you having to really prepare you for um, uh, the growth of this with 9,000 stores throughout the country? You know, when we launched um, last year, one of the first things that we wanted to make sure is that when we de developed the operating model, that it was one first highly compliant to the clinical trial regulations that govern our ecosystem to make sure that as we not only identified patients within our ecosystem, but as we start to bring patients into our locations to support trial operations, that we were completely compliant um, as with any other clinical trial site that would conduct um, uh, you know, clinical trial activities. But more importantly, we also recognize that it's, again, not a one-size-fits-all strategy for the communities that we serve. 
So from our perspective, it was making sure that we had a flexible set of options that we could offer for patients that wanted to participate and made it easier for patients to participate. So for example, I mentioned earlier that we've activated a number of our locations as clinical trial centers that allows patients to go in to those locations to be able to engage with their pharmacist, understand what a clinical trial is, and then be able to have visits completed. But we also recognize that there are you know, a number of patient populations that are quite digital savvy and would prefer to do a lot of it remotely. So we have um, offered aspects of our clinical trial workflow to be done hybrid, which allows aspects of the clinical trial activity to be done maybe on site or via remote. So we've certainly through our partnerships have engaged um, um, a technology platform that allows us to uh, digitize aspects of the clinical trial workflow. So e-consent, some of the visits can be done via telehealth, um, again, to be to offer convenience. And the third piece is because of our acquisition in CareCentrics, which is a home health care solution, we have the ability to deploy aspects of the clinical trial visit at a patient's home if a clinical trial warrants that um, modality and, and, and opportunity to be able to do that for a patient. So Todd, from our perspective is, how do we make sure that we are sensitive and we recognize the differences and the needs of our patients and our communities and yep. deploying those operational models that will allow for easy access to participate uh, for a patient as they join our clinical trial? Yes. Um I want to fall back for just a second and talk about the fundamentals of communications and bring retention, but there's a, a really interesting ecosystem. And I know the way that I think when I'm delivering news to the, to the B2B world, my business to business listener, that is the pharmacist from the technology or the pharmacist to the pharma, man, pharma manufacturer, whoever that is, now I'm thinking of consumer, and that's not my world. I want to expand our, our podcasting program, bringing pharmacists to the, the listener we're, and, we, and the consumer, and we're definitely planning to do that. But Ritesh, that isn't really where I started. I started in B2B communications, and I'm thinking of, I understand everything that Ramita is basically saying, laying it out. Now I shift, and I'm like, so how do we take the complexity um, which is multiple-faceted, and build a trust, um, communications, um, some kind of point-by-point uh, -point understanding of what this really means. How do you deliver this message to, to get the patient involved in this whole uh, decentralized evolution of the Look, so <laughs> here's what I think the, the Walgreens advantage is, right? We are people of relationships. There is two people that we have relationships with when it comes to healthcare, the GP or the specialist who's treating us and the pharmacist where we go pick up our medications. If we are unsure of that, we talk to the pharmacist, as I did this morning when I went to pick up this new version of this asthma inhaler for my wife. And the first question was, okay, different delivery mechanism, and I'm in the business, right? So, But how does this work again? Yes, here, let me show you. This is how it works. This is what you're going to do, because it was one of those digital things, right? So... I think the opportunity for the pharmacist is even greater here because you have that relationship. You're seeing them actually sometimes more than you're seeing your GP. 
they're farmdees anyway, so they understand the things that we are going to have to talk about when it comes to explaining a clinical trial and how it adds to your care and the delivery of care. And I think that relationship can be fostered by the communication or the brand halo that Walgreens has. So combining that Walgreens brand and the ability to be able to go to Walgreens and know that you're picking the prescription up from somebody who is medically trained and can talk to you and you already have a relationship with, I think is the battle that can be won. So half the battle is already done, in my opinion. Ramita may disagree with me, but in my opinion, that's the answer. Uh, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, <clears throat> and we saw this firsthand during the COVID-19 pandemic, right? I mean, um, there was tremendous amount of hesitancy. There was confusion around the information around the vaccines and people went into their local pharmacies, um, went into the local Walgreens, talked to their pharmacists to really understand what this was all about to make this decision. So um, that trust becomes the cornerstone and the, the backbone by which we can start to help patients, particularly the lion's share of this country that are one that don't understand clinical trials or have a significant mistrust mm -hmm. with healthcare yep. or with the industry and start to you know tackle some of those issues and get them to understand why their participation is so valuable, particularly as we're looking at diverse patient populations that we wanna go after. Or the underserved. And, and sorry, I didn't answer your question whole, wholeheartedly. So the second piece of that, the, the shoe to drop is, yes, there is a communication strategy you have to have. So building the infrastructure, getting the pharmacist trained up, and a lot of them are already there with both the digital side of things and whatever, right? The Walgreens, the halo of the Walgreens, not only the physical presence, but also the brand. It's a trusted brand for a lot of people in a lot of markets, right? But there is a communication effort that will have to be conducted as trials get rolled out, as Ramita knows very, very well, with the patients to educate them to say, you can do this, right? you are able to go into Walgreens and participate. The pharmacist will be able to help you. So there is a layer of communication and marketing and promotion that will have to occur to the patients to do that. But it's an easier sell than, oh, we're going to start from scratch. Right. Ramita, you mentioned something I want to go back to. And in my opening, I was talking about the commitment right from the get-go um, that Walgreens data analysts, before you even got into the clinical trial market, started seeing that 20% uh, of the drugs um, that have a variation in response across ethnic groups, um, there's a difference there. And yet 75% of the clinical trial participants were white, while only 11% were Hispanic and fewer than 10% were our um, black Americans, um, African Americans. And then, of course, there were other tech, there were other specifications depending on the trial. I think of when I was in community pharmacy technology and I would visit a community pharmacy um, that was passionate about their community, involved in their community, um, the Hispanic environments that some of our Texas, Florida, um, really it doesn't matter where, every state has this, but there was a, a huge um, Hispanic population in, um, in Dallas-Fort Worth. And so the, the Spanish speaking, the Spanish heritage, the Spanish um, understanding, the, you know, Latina and, and, and people that celebrate their, their, in their way and they speak in their way and their mannerisms, 
the this community pharmacy was so intact and you know in, in tied into understanding and i'm thinking those are the places where Walgreens are going to have this major impact because they're part of the community. They're able to speak the language and, and understand culture. And therein lies, I think, some of the secret sauce of this. Yeah, Todd, I mean, I think, look, those are the facts. Um, and we, we've all, you know, we've been in this industry, I've been in this industry for so long to know that, you know, I, I participated in, the, in that process. But at the end of the day, we've been tapping into the same <clears throat> medical centers, same provider organizations, same patient populations. And we have produced drugs that are eliciting, you know, variation in responses across these ethnic groups. And which means we have to do a better job as an industry to make sure that when we start to identify patients and we start to recruit patients, we are no longer going to the same AMCs, the same patient populations or the same providers. We are actually doing the hard work and getting into communities that have never had access before. Now, is it gonna be easy to Ritesh's early point? There's got to be, like I said earlier, there's got to be that right highway that we're building to allow patients to be able to participate. And there are the Hispanic communities, there are the African-American communities and other Asian you know, Pacific Islander communities that, um, that have never been given the awareness or the opportunity to even learn about clinical trials. So that's where that community engagement and activation and that hard work needs to get done so that once we do bring a trial to these patient populations, they can say, aha, I understand what a clinical trial is because I had a conversation with my local pharmacist that broke down some of the, the, the myths and, and the, the perceptions that are out there for me to feel comfortable to participate and why my participation is so valued because we need to see a diverse patient population to be investigated on. So when new drugs are getting out to the marketplace, it truly is a representation of the U.S. population. Okay. And not just the less than 5% that are participating in this. And Ramisha, I think there's something in the omnibus bill that was recently passed around this whole diversity issue, right? I think, and I remember seeing a note from you about it. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, we, you know, obviously the omnibus bill included the, uh, the diversity trial modernization, you know, provisions, which, you know, you know, makes it a mandate now for phase three trials to be able to have diversity plans in. Obviously, now we're waiting for the FDA to, you know, provide the guidance on the implementation of this. But more importantly, there's more work to be done. And we want to make sure uh, that all trials, all research is, you know, um, ensuring that diversity plans is part of the, the the trial overall trial planning and implementation. So that's that's huge. That is it is it's a landmark win for those of us in the industry for so long that have you know wanting to make sure that we're including patients that have never been included in the past. Quick question. This is kind of a sidebar, but do you think uh, Ramita any facet of this process and the rollout would ever involve uh, telehealth? Uh, through what um, what Walgreens is doing, yeah, certainly the um, the modality of a hybrid solution includes the opportunity to engage in, in telehealth um, modalities, particularly as we look at decentralized clinical trials, or as we call it, bringing trials to patients. Um, 
you know, there's opportunities to leverage telehealth. So make it convenient for patient to be at their at their home to have a visit done. I mean, um, particularly some of the more routine and standard visits that doesn't have to require a patient to go all the way to a clinical trial center or, you know, their local Walgreens to be able to have a visit done. So absolutely, that is um, part of our clinical trial workflow um, and is an option that we're able to um, activate if if the trial um, allows for that. Todd, I, I would like to encourage all of us and your listeners to not say decentralized trials anymore, but just yeah. a modern clinical trial. Yeah, right? that's what we were that's saying. You know, it's just a clinical trial and it's your way, you know, how do you want to participate? We'll figure it out. There's yeah. remote, there's a Walgreens, you can drive the 400 miles if you want, it's up to you, but yeah. we'll figure it out, right? And that's why we say trials to patients, right? Yeah. Because ultimately we are creating the right environment for patients to be able to access and participate. There you go. So, um, Ramita hired to lead the build out, the the data analysis, the management, there's a lot going on in your division. One of the things that I'm wondering about is 9,000 um, pharmacies throughout the country, so much uh, ability to tap into communities. And like you were saying, different um, ethnic, ethnic uh, communities for, for different reasons and responding to the trust of their pharmacist versus someone that they don't know that might be holding a clipboard at a health center and it's kind of a colder environment per se. <laughs> I'm wondering of, of rolling out your division, is this a separate division of pharmacists that could supplement some of the Interesting. of the workload um, versus what happens in your, in your community pharmacies? Like, how's that going to work? Yeah, so that's a great question because I think um, as we start to bring trials into our local pharmacies, there's a tremendous amount of work to make sure we're training the pharmacist um, we've completed a number of mock training visits, for example, so that pharmacists understand not only the vernacular, but just how to uh, do a clinical trial visit that is completely compliant to the industry regulations. But we, when we look for our locations, particularly when a trial opportunity comes to the doorstep of Walgreens, we can, you know, we do a full canvas across the nation to identify the right. Um, patient populations. We're using technology to help us to find that right cohort of patients that would be eligible. But more importantly, we look for the right locations um, and making sure that the pharmacists that we do tap into um, have the capacity. Now, as you all may know, Walgreens is making tremendous amount of investments um, to you know, digitize and automate a lot of the administrative tasks that pharmacists have historically and have been doing to date and not been able to focus on patient care services. Um, we have been very focused on, you know, how do we make the lives of our pharmacists easier and so that they can start to spend more time with their patients. And so as we identify those right locations, we keep in mind um, the, the, the work um balance that we have to make sure that the pharmacists are able to take on a trial and be able to help to support that. So those are things that, you know, as we start to identify the right locations and we assign those locations for trials, those are things that we have to look at um, and are one of the requirements before we um, deploy a, 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 a team of pharmacists on particular clinical trials. 
but we don't have a separate team per se. Um, it is, you know, because those are the pharmacists that know their community of patients, we want to be able to tap into those pharmacists. But certainly we have a team of nurses, physicians, pharmacy care, you know, techs that are all being part of this clinical trial um, team that will be on site or support remotely to help clinical trial uh, conduct. And I think if I remember correctly, back in October and November last year, Walgreens also announced the way they were going to compensate and also put a huge amount of money into training and technology. Is that still the thing that you're thinking about? Because I think part of this whole rollout is changing the way we also measure what the pharmacist does at the store level, right? Because there's one way, I don't know, they've been doing it forever, right? And then I think you guys were thinking about changing it. Is that correct? Am I yeah. right? I read yeah, this. We, were, we were the first ones at Walgreens that announced that we were going to start to remove, you know, this metrics focused about, you know, um, how much time their pharmacists are spending on other activities, et cetera, and truly start to invest in a lot of the automation on the administrative activities. So we have a number of centers, you know, across the nation where, you know, they're able to deliver, um, you know, the, the, the pharmacy drugs to patients' homes. And it, you know, it starts to lessen the burden on what the, the pharmacists are able to do. But um, that enables, again, the pharmacists to do more and spend more time with their patients. And we continue to make more investments around how do we make, um, pharmacists less on the administrative side of, of all this pharmacy ecosystem and, again, be front and center with the patients. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, these are investments that we're making and we'll continue to make uh, to make sure that we can um, help support our pharmacists so they can do more. With the traditional clinical trial environment, health systems, um, you know, schools, uh, medical schools, whatever, whoever, whoever was traditionally involved, because academic, listen, this yeah. is all new to me. Academic this, medical centers, centers the yeah, teaching academic. centers, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it wasn't until I heard about it coming to community pharmacy that I even really paid much attention to it. So this is really opening my eyes to opportunities. Ramita, there's going to be pharmacists on the Walgreens team who are going to become your regional experts in, pro and you know, this has been going on for a year, two years. They're going to be rising stars that are going to become kind of like leaders in your process and more than, than certain because pharmacists are humans and some of them gravitate towards more research driven, more community pharmacy, more long term care. The rise of the consultant pharmacist is here uh, to stay and what's going to happen with home care uh, services that they're going to be doing. So with that, those opportunities for pharmacists, um, how can we kind of put a stake in the ground from an information source here saying how can community pharmacists specifically help increase intention uh, retention because retention is one of the major issues within the traditional clinical trial someone goes they didn't really they started it they and then they didn't like the atmosphere they're like i don't want to drive like ritesh said i don't want to drive 400 miles <laughs> i want to go to my community pharmacy so talk about the evolution of the pharmacist role in clinical trials so look, this is such an exciting time for the pharmacists at Walgreens because it expands the role of the pharmacist as a provider, right? So during the COVID-19 pandemic, 
um, <clears throat> not only were the pharmacists are able to test, but certainly now we're looking at opportunities that ways for pharmacists to, to even treat. And, and, you know, it's, it's a big initiative, um, you know, at Walgreens to make sure we expand that role of the pharmacist. But when we announced our move into clinical trials, I can say we had a number of pharmacists reaching out and saying, how do I help? How do I get involved? Why, as Ritesh mentioned earlier, these are clinical pharmacists. And many of them, you know, have not come into this profession simply to do administrative tasks. They want to be not just engaged with the patients, but doing more. They, yep. they have that clinical background. So the enthusiasm and the excitement that we got after we announced was, was overwhelming. But it was also reaffirming that this is the right direction for us as an organization. As we build our healthcare continuum and clinical trials as part of that healthcare continuum, when I got those reactions from emails or calls or what have you, I was like, this is great. And so it was very easy for us to go into our ecosystem and start that training and start getting people to understand, number one, here's what a clinical trial is, here are the mechanics. And we had so many ready to sign up to be trained and to be able to say, we're ready when you need us to be activated. So that's number one. So we, we certainly got enough, enough, you know, the endorsement and the excitement to be able to um, support clinical trials and certainly it expands their role from that perspective. But as we think about retention, look, we at Walgreens are not looking to displace the provider and the patient relationship that exists today. And we know with a lot of complex disease areas a lot of trials will still use their academic medical centers. Mm -hmm. And we know that's going to be the case. We are in, you know, in discussions with a number of healthcare systems to be partners. So this is a symbiotic relationship. Yep. We know that patients will have to go in for some of those complicated visits at these locations. But the ask is, how do we use your Walgreens locations to ensure that that patient does not drop out? Yep. And to be able to go to a local pharmacy and get those follow-up visits done and not burden that patient to go travel far for an academic center. So I envision, and I'll continue to see the partnerships between AMCs, healthcare systems, and other provider organizations that are deemed as clinical trial sites to be partners with a Walgreens to support retention. Because ultimately, we want to make it easier, not just for them to sign up and participate, but for them to then stay during the course of that trial. We want a patient to finish its commitment on a trial because we want to collect that information and understand the outcomes of that patient's participation on that trial. I did not um, coach Ramita to say anything today, but you just led me naturally to this next segment, which I, I thank you. And that was the blending and baton handing off from a medical center who's a specialist in maybe a specific condition or rare disease that already has the expertise and being able to hand off the, uh, the, the continuation of the clinical trial research to a community pharmacy. I think that's beautiful just in and of itself because I love collaboration. But that brings me to the reason why I'm so excited that you said that, Ramit, it was um, Ratesh has a very special relationship with an organization called UC Davis. And their vast ability in health systems mm -hmm. to be part of communities in multiple different ways. And I'm just very impressed with them just because I got to hear them speak. I got to hear uh, um, Ritesh and other, um, other panel sessions talk with them. So Ritesh, 
this is like a perfect environment where we have all players now through um, the partnerships that you've created. Is there something that we can do to show that exact situation that the baton gets handed off to a, you know, a, a Walgreens that's in the area of that patient that's experiencing that maybe through uh, starting out through UC Davis? Yeah, so I've corralled Ramita onto a number of the UC Davis panels who, and she's, you know, gratefully, thankfully, she's agreed most of the time, if not all of the times, actually. So, I, I, look, it goes back to the point Ramita made earlier. The, the win nowadays in this new world that we're living in is those partnerships, is the way we can engage in the ecosystem, which is what we're doing at UC Davis, is building this ecosystem of partners that can then go do things to address the patient's needs. Yep. Prior to that, you know, even three years ago, everything was siloed because that's where the money is, right? I want to keep this patient. I don't want to refer them to so-and-so for this trial because I want to keep them in my trial, right? But the world is now changed, particularly post-COVID, where people have realized that the beauty of the ecosystem is you can do those handoffs and the, the, the care can be a continuum. So the GP refers to the specialist, the specialist refers them to an academic center that's doing a trial that then says, oh, by the way, you can only, you only should come in once a month because you're 200 miles away, but we've got this relationship with the Walgreens, which is around the corner from your house, where you can go do your checkups, right? And then you only come back here for the major placebo event that you need to do, right? Things like that. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I think that interaction between that Walgreens and that UC Davis academic primary investigator is the rub. And I think those are the things that I think of others that I've seen Walgreens is really good at doing and starting to do from a partner ecosystem perspective. Uh, would you agree, Ramisa? Yeah, and Ritesh, I would, I would agree. I think for us, you know, and I've been very upfront, you know, since the launch of this business is that we're being very intentional about the ecosystem of partners that we're bringing yeah. to bear, right? It's not about just bring everybody, but it's about trying to solve some of those big issues that we are facing real life with our communities. I mean, if we're going down in the deep South or in the rural parts of America where we're struggling to get those patients on board, you know, to participate in clinical trials, we recognize it's not going to happen on our own. And so we are going to have to leverage partners like healthcare systems to work in a symbiotic fashion to be able to get a patient, what I call activated patient, and participate in a clinical trial, the and whole, then feel comfortable. The whole UC Davis thing, Todd, is we've we've called it the Open Innovation Forum. So it's not only Walgreens who's part of you know the, of that ecosystem, perhaps, but it's also the other academic centers. So we've got twelve academic centers as part of this forum of group of uh, people who also did not integrate with each other, who also did not, you know, share things with each other. And now the CEOs of these 12 academic centers are saying, yeah, we're in, we're going to share things too. So I think there's this new movement coming along. And for those who are open to open innovation, they'll take advantage of it. And those who won't will, will falter. They really will, because that's the new world we're going into, I think. All right. I don't know who this is for. We got about two minutes left, but I have to nerd out. So I don't know if it's Ramita nerd or Ritesh nerd, but there's the aspect of the wearable. There's the aspect of the good old yeah. you know, eye watches. There's this whole tech world that I love talking about. I'm a huge fan of digital therapeutics and 
how this is all changing healthcare for the better and massive data and, and massive opportunities for AI programs to kind of get involved in, in, in pushing out the right data for the right condition, right rare disease state and all of that. So which one of you want to take the, uh, the question about how does the wearable and, and digital digital health play into this? It's got to be Ritesh. <laughs> digital guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I want to go on this whole tirade about decentralized trials, because it is that integrated. Look, consumers, we, we should think of people, not patients. They're not patients. They're human beings. I know all of my friends have an aura ring. They have an Apple Watch. And they're also tracking things in their shoes and whatever. My son coaches soccer teams for the Red Bulls here in the New York region. And every every uh, team player has the Puma shoes. We, there's a chip in the left-hand boot because the coach can see by individual all the places they covered on the pitch. So this is the world we're living in, right? So the integration has to occur. I would say to your listeners and the pharmacies who are on this channel is get to know those technologies, but it's don't get to know everything. It's too much. But the basic ones that the people are using Garmin, Fitbit, Apple Watch, Aura Ring, those are the big ones that are coming out. And they can apply here so that I don't have to leave my house if I don't want to. I can use the watch to share my data. I can use the AliveCore handheld six six lead handheld EKG to give you my data for my, you know, cardiovascular every day, right? You know, all of that is completely available today. So I think those connected devices will add huge ways and capabilities for us to conduct trials, but you still have to connect to a human somewhere. Ramita, the Walgreens environment and the technology that you've already invested in, how does the how does this how does this play and how does the wearable or digital digital health play into this? We're absolutely in support. Um, we're going to continue to support that movement. Um, because I do believe, as Ritesh said, that's the future. But as we start to think about the technologies, particularly communities where there is some digital literacy and medical literacy inconsistencies, we just have to work with the communities and yeah. figure out how best do we bring those technologies. And to Ritesh's point, if they're already using them, then we need to use what the the, the, the you know the consumers are using to leverage, pull that information for trials, right? Why make it burdensome? Yeah. Why duplicate efforts? Let's use what's already in these communities to be able to pull that information. So we're absolutely in support, but we recognize it's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to take some work as we bring those into the communities that are still a bit behind from, from a technology perspective. Well, Ramita, it was an absolute pleasure meeting you in person at HLTH. Um, like I said, it was a I got to I got to literally interview you in person instead of a Zoom. I get sick of Zoom. I, I like <laughs> people in, in person once in a while. So you and I have to meet up at uh, an, a conference coming up in 2023. So I'll work with your team to find out which one you're going to be at. Uh, we're going to be at APHA coming up here in Phoenix on, on March 24th. But are you guys going to uh, APHA this year? Uh, I am not, but I think the team is, yes, I am not, on, the team is definitely, but listen, it's conference season that's kicking off in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, it's going to be a very busy session for, for, for all of us on the clinical trials team, but it's, it's always great to connect with you, Todd. It's, it's Thank awesome. You. Your platform is awesome. Thank you so much.
And Ritesh, you're like my big brother. Um, <laughs> I'll definitely be seeing you. I don't know. Are you going to Hitmic coming up? Um, no, that is all Gil, Bash, and the crew, right? That's their domain, Beth and Gil. My next one is South by Southwest. We're doing a health house at South by Southwest. Um, we've got a thing. Actually, the, the first day, we've got the federal government taking over the house and talking about all the ways that startups can partner with the uh, various agencies. Uh, including uh, the Biden moonshots around HPV testing of rural health, which is quite oh, interesting. Awesome. Uh, and then Vive uh, in Nashville. So. Well, I wish you both. I know how hard it is on families and your life to, to travel as much as we do. So I want to wish you safe travels. I Thank cannot you. wait to see both of you. I need another picture for both of you. I love posting things and <laughs> both on social media. So be on the watch out and the lookout. But thank you both for being Super. here. Thank, Thank you. you. Great to see you, Ramita. Thank you. you. Thanks, Take care. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Uh, well, I tell you what. If I could have a This Week in Pharmacy that has that much packed in information every time, maybe I'd just do this week. It'd be a This Day in Pharmacy, and I could do a daily show. Hey, who knows? Maybe that's coming. Hey, I do want to touch on a couple more things before we wrap up today's show, and that is I, do, I was mentioning um, the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm – uh, going to be featured as a speaker at the Healthcare and, and IT Marketing Conference, which is January third, uh, 31st through February 3rd. I'm so honored and, and, and excited to go. Um, I was uh, also honored by this organization um, in t- being chosen as the, pod- the Healthcare Podcast of the Year 2022. That is so exciting that Pharmacist Voices uh, resonated with a group of professionals that are in healthcare information uh, marketing, and they recognize that these voices are major players and major providers in healthcare. So a shout out to Hitmic. Thank you so much for this honor. A shout out to Medigy for sponsoring uh, this uh, award. Hey, we are headed to Orlando. I love Florida. Unlike the Hitmic conference, which is in uh, Vegas. I don't like Vegas. Um, I'd much rather go to Florida. And uh, Florida is coming up, um, Diversify RX on, on February 17th through 18th. We will be there. And guess what? Um, uh, this Week in Pharmacy will be recorded uh, live at that event. So excited about that. As I mentioned to Ramita and, um, and to Ritesh, uh, the Pharmacy Podcast is the media partner for the APHA 2023. We are excited to be embedded in their booth running the podcast called Locked on Pharmacy that's Locked on Pharmacy, which is the podcast by the American Pharmacists Association. It's amazing working with um, with their team. A shout out to Teresa Toll, um, my father's pharmacist down in Sebastian, Florida, and the entire uh, team at APHA. You are amazing. What changes are coming to our industry are reflected at the APHA. They really have a diverse um, bunch of uh, presenters and information to really help you continue your transformation career and transformational career in pharmacy as a pharmacist. A shout out to um, Twitter RX. If you are not on Twitter, um, Twitter has changed. It has brought in a whole new uh, level of user, and we're seeing some fresh um, content that's always being discussed through um, through Twitter RX. A shout out to um, uh, Gandaboy uh, PharmD is one of my most favorite on Twitter. 
Um, and uh, Dr. William is, um, he's a health system pharmacist. A, a shout out to Dr. William. And um, I just, this really makes um, our industry um, closer. I feel closer and I feel like I know what's going on when we follow Twitter RX. So if you want to uh, turn down the noise on Twitter because it's massive, if you ever go and put in hashtag Twitter RX, you will get a pure um, pull through of so much content and participation from our pharmacy profession and really leaders and research like the Journal of the American Pharmacists Association um, and then opinions of, of people, some very strong opinions as well as uh, many people chiming in on uh, journal and, and uh, evidence-based um, information. But TwitterX is a, a big part of our outreach to our listener base and it's exciting to um, to see how much Twitter RX has grown. And um, it pushes out um, over uh, 50,000 um, impressions, uh, it bouncing between about 25,000 to 50,000, depending on what's happening within the news and, and how pharmacists are becoming more recognized in public health. Um, but we are wrapping up uh, the show today. I do want to give a shout out um, next week. Um, Next week in pharmacy, Lean Kawas, uh, managing partner and general partner of Propel Bio Partners. Um, uh, Propel Bio Partners um, is the founder of Athria and a co investor of its lead drug, ATH 1017, um, and also innovative uh, drug candidate in, in pipeline. Can't wait to talk with her. And then in the studio, we're going to have Paul Froelich. A healthcare automation consultant and one of my friends that was with um, OmniCell, which was a client of ours for for years, and his knowledge is is incredible. And then we're welcoming the pain guy, Doctor Mark Garofoli, WVU School of Pharmacy. Shout out to the Mountaineers. I love you guys. Uh, we got to do more together. Shout out to Doctor um, uh, Depros. De De Dip Depros. <laughs> Depros. <laughs> Shout out to you guys. Um, can't wait. But thank you so much for being part of this week in pharmacy. Please hashtag TWIRX. That's TWIRX to say hi to us and to uh, suggest something to talk about. And with that, have a great weekend.